actually about all these athletes actually Haphazardly is not one part of the strategy gone Development, it's all we envelop in telephone A wealth of intelligence Unless you're selfishly embellishing all of the championships Basking it in, let's study in the conferences Pac-12 and Big, 12 and the 10 SEC, ACC, win, 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 win It just kind of fades from there, that's good Yeah, they said like a minute, so Wait, there's more? Don't forget about the uh, Mountain West The Mac that can flex, somebody is next Ivy League fresh, literally dope Thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of players to test Gee. I'm serious, they will talk about the most obscure players on this planet. Potentially another planet. Like, dude's got a 4340 from Mars. Like, I don't know. I, it's too much. I'm done. I'm gone this time. Like, don't bring it back in. Enjoy your podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in. This is the Debbie Owner's Manual, episode 3.11, 3.11, whatever you want to call it, the podcast, which talks about college players in the Debbie landscape, plus how to use the Debbie team you build to translate to a successful NFL fantasy football team. I really do think I need to make that longer. Anyways, um, this week got a very special guest. I've been talking to this guy, it seems like, for a, a long time now, and I'm happy to finally have him on. I have all right, I'm just going to insert this here. We had a little bit of an audio issue, and I lost some audio, but this is Matt Bruning of the Dynasty Nerds and Fantasy Football Roundtable. He'll pop in here in a second. Right, right, yep, and what a better better weekend to talk than after the first Big Ten weekend. I know you're excited about your Buckeyes throttling the crap out of Nebraska, so do, doing what the Buckeyes do. <laughs> they definitely look like the offense once they got clicking their – in mid-season form already. I mean, it was. Uh, yeah, it's going to be tough, really tough for anybody in the Big Ten to beat them. So, it, it seemed like they're on a collision course with Alabama and Clemson, and the again, you know, like almost every year. All right, we do have some big news. Uh, the biggest news of the weekend was obviously Jalen Waddle out for the year. Um, that really, really, really sucks. Um, it was on the. It was on the first play of the game too, I believe. It was just rough, man. Um, a guy really who needed, you know, a little more production would have been nice to see, but I, I still think he's probably going to be one of the top wideouts drafted this year. Do you think it hurts his stock at all, Matt? Or? I, I don't see it hurting his stock too much. I mean, it's going to suck, obviously. I doubt he's going to be ready to come back by the time combine and workouts. I think they were saying earliest is like maybe late April, mid-May, so... There, I guess there's that outside shot that he could get a team workout in here or there, but I would think that's pretty unlikely. But with everything we saw on tape last year and then even so far this year, uh, he's definitely, you could argue, the most explosive wide receiver uh, in college football right now. So I would imagine it's not going to hurt his stock too much. I still think at worst he's a late round one or early uh, round two pick. And then um, not on the dev, not on the college side, but another big, big news was OBJ is out for the year as well. So... I thought I'd mention that. I know we talk mostly about college, but we also talk about how it translates to our football teams. And it, it just kind of sort of feels like the the window of OBJ being a productive receiver is closing, maybe closed. Like, like you hope he goes, maybe he goes somewhere else. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? You got that Browns thing in the background there. So. Yeah, I, I am a, a big Browns fan. Uh, obviously, it sucks. I've, I've actually been a fan of OBJ before he came to the Browns. He was a, a player that I've loved for a long time. 
uh, seeing the injury sucks. Uh, I'll say on the bright side, and I hate saying this, I feel like it's actually going to help the Browns offense a little bit and open things up for Baker. He seems to to read the field a little bit better than when he has to kind of force the ball to Odell. As for Odell's future, I do think he'll be with Cleveland next year. Uh, he does have a injury clause in his contract that guarantees him $12 million next year. Uh, so I don't see the Browns cutting him and, and kind of eating that cap. $12 million is a lot to eat, especially when they have to pay Jarvis, I think, right around $12 million as well next year. Uh, so Odell, I think, will be with the Browns at least next year, but then the year after that they can get out of his contract. Uh, I would imagine they probably will. I'm with you. It, it kind of sucks to see. is such a talented wide receiver. I mean, we were talking about him just a couple years ago as one of the best wide receivers in the game, and it really seems like injuries have kind of slowed down that uh, that growth that we hope to keep seeing out of him year to year. I hope that he's able to come back from this and, and continue producing, but it's, it's not looking good with his age, I think now 27, and this being another serious injury on his legs. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree, man. Great, great analysis. I love it. Um, another small, uh, another set of news. Uh, Rondale Moore missed another game, and it's really hard to start, you know, to not think of this guy as being injury prone. Like you just wonder, you know, everybody was excited to see him. Maybe he just wasn't ready, you know, because he he was opted out there for a little while, so maybe he wasn't, you know, fully trained and ready to play. I don't. Hopefully. That was it. I never did hear. Was it an official injury, or did you hear anything, Matt? Or? No, and and the even weirder thing, I think, was uh, Brom came out today and said he may not even play this week. And so I think we're getting, you know, from my perspective, we're getting to a point of, does Rondell Moore just eventually opt back out and continue to train for the NFL draft? Well, at what point does it become kind of pointless to come back and only play for four, five games and, and risk injury like we just saw with uh, Jalen Waddle? Uh, I would think, you know, I'd love to hear your thought on this, but I would think Moore is still probably, you know, same as Waddle, a round one, late round, or at latest round two uh, draft capital. So you're risking a lot to go back out there and play with the Big Ten only playing eight games. You're already now down to seven games, going to be six, five, four here soon if he doesn't get out there. Right, you'd almost think it, it would help his stock just to say, I'm opting out, I'm done. Rather than to play this cat and mouse, you know, injury, injury, you know, it's going to it's going to look worse. It's going to look like he is injury prone. You know, exactly. if, he, if he keeps doing this over and over, he'd almost be better off just saying I'm done. You know, I'm just going to train. You know, that's it. I think it'd be way better for his draft stock to just say I'm not I'm just decided I'm not going to play. If he tries to play and gets injured and misses, you know, it just it'll look worse, I think. And Last yeah, bit, uh, Journey Brown. Uh, shoot, shoot, man, Journey Brown. This is so confusing. I looked for yeah. new for new news on this, and there is nothing. Yeah, just total, total crickets. I I, I don't get it, man. So, kind of a confusing one. One a guy I was really looking forward to seeing this year. So, wow, that, that's an yeah. odd one. And I think they really, really need him. Their running game did not look very good the other night. Um. So yeah, he's he's huge for that team. It's extremely odd. I mean, they came out and said that it's, um, you know, an unspecified medical condition. Uh, I did see that he posted an, um, a video. It was retweeted by a Penn State account. I, I think he posted it. It was either on Snapchat or Instagram. I would, I'm pretty sure it was Instagram that he did kind of intimate that he will be back at some point this year. At least he plans on playing at some point this year. That you know, the reports first came out he was going to miss the whole season, but then he came out and said, "I'll be back with my boys here soon." But I'm I'm like I'm going to be out at least this week. And so, to me, the way he worded it kind of intimated he might be back soon. But I'm with you. I think he's one of those guys we were all excited to see with the way he blew up at the end of next year. And he's also a guy that I think would benefit from playing because there's still a lot of questions we have about his game because we've seen so little of him 
All right, we're going to jump into the week eight. Um, we're not going to dwell too much on this first game here because he's one of the guys you want to walk in through deeper. Yeah. But in the Big Ten opener, Wisconsin crushed Illinois 45-7. to They looked really super good thanks to the – I was irritated that the news, the TV kept calling him a freshman, a freshman. And I'm like, he's yeah. not a freshman, damn it. Yeah. It's a redshirt freshman. Like, you know, <laughs> like he's the first freshman to start the opener since 1943. And I'm like, he's not a freshman, damn it. Like, <laughs> he had last year to learn. So it was driving me crazy watching the game, but Graham Mertz looked phenomenal. We'll d- dive a little bit deeper into him here in a couple minutes. Um, Syracuse kept it pretty close to Clemson there for a little while. They ended up 47-21 final. ETN had 106 total yards, three touchdowns, and Trevor Lawrence had his first career pick six, which was kind of crazy to think of. That was his first one of those when guys like Jameis Winston throw 10 a, <laughs> 10 a year. So, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so, anyway... One of the better games of the weekend was, and one of the surprisingly lower scoring ones of the weekend was Oklahoma State and Iowa State. I figured that was going to be a 45-43, you know, typical Big 12 game and ended up 21-14. Brees Hall, 185 yards. Chuba Hubbard, 139. Um, That was a really fun game to watch. Um, I was surprised at how close it was or at how low scoring it was. and. Very, very odd for Big 12, but Oklahoma State has a a legitimate shot here. They have a pretty good defense, and their offense has the capability of playing very well. So, All right, and Brees Hall looked absolutely phenomenal on this one. He's – I go back – I go back and forth between him and Ely as RB1 in that 2022 class. Who do you have, Matt? Like, who do you like better out of those? Uh, It's it's Hall – it's Hall for me. I think. I mean, he's he doesn't he definitely doesn't have that breakaway speed that Ely has, but Hall, I think, just his running, his vision, his contract uh, contract. My guess, I've got COVID on the mind. Contract tracing, his contact balance uh, is just phenomenal. I, I love watching Hall play, and then a team that I think with as bad as Purdy has been too. I think most defenses key in knowing they have to stop Hall, and yet they still haven't been able to do it. So for me, uh, right now, it's still Hall is my top running back for that twenty twenty two class. Right, right. Like you said, the the breakaway speed was was evident on that long run he had that he actually got caught. You know, I was yeah. surprised. I was like, you know, he got caught fairly easily too by a couple of defensive backs. I was like, whoa, yeah, that, that's something you don't like to see, you know. But he, that's not his game, you know. Like he said, it's the contact balance and everything. So, um, another another game, uh, the Zach Wilson train just keeps on rolling, baby. Uh, BYU beat Texas State. Uh, Zach Wilson, 19 to 25, 287, another four touchdowns. I mean, he just continues to lock it in every week. And God, I wish he could play some better teams, though. Like, I would love to see him against, you know, some really, really elite competition. So what, what, what do you think of Zach? Where is he in this class? Is he climbing up into that top five for you yet? Or He is. I, I have been on the Zach Wilson train since uh, this summer. I was actually retweeting some of the things where I was talking about how uh, – because I, I first got into – I know you joined a C2C league that uh, we helped kind of create here, a new, a new kind of format on it. Uh, I joined a bunch of C2C leagues this year. It was my first time playing it, and Zach Wilson was the guy that I targeted a lot. He was going late some he didn't even get drafted in Uh, I think he's got all the intangibles for me he's not I think I've got him right there with uh, Trey Lance and Kyle Trask right now in this class I've got Mac Jones ahead of him uh, it's long, along with uh, Trevor Lawrence and uh, Justin Fields as well. I do think Wilson needs to go back to school, though, for exactly what you mentioned. We, I want to see him play that top-tier talent because he's not really getting that this year with the condensed schedule. 
but I kind of feel like if he keeps playing like this, his stock's going to rise so high, He's there's going to be almost no reason for him to go back to school because people will view him as a, a high-end or a second-round pick, and, and it's going to be, at that point, it's almost, are you going to hurt your draft stock more by going back if you're not able to produce like you have this year? North Carolina beat NC State 48-21. Javante Williams with another giant game, 19 carries, 160 yards, three touchdowns. This is kind of one that I went back and forth with uh, Travis May about last week. Who do you like better amongst that North Carolina duo between Javante Williams and Michael Carter? Uh, I'm kind of coming around on, yeah, yeah, I'm kind of coming around on Williams. He's looked really good so far this year. I mean, I know he's he's a junior or senior. I know he's a... He is, I'm trying to remember what he is now. I can't get it off the top, uh, top of my head. Uh, but I'm he's he's older. I know he can come out this year. I'm almost positive. Junior. So yeah. So he's. I, I've really kind of come around on him. I was obviously I'm big Sam Howell guy. So I've been watching uh, most of. I did not get a chance to see this game this weekend. I had some family stuff going on. But uh, I, I'm really kind of come around on the Javante Williams. He's he's moving up uh, my rankings uh, for my uh, draft rankings for 2021 and my Debbie rankings. Right. Yeah. I I love him. Like I think he's just. In, in a 2021, he could be, he could come out in 2021. And I think he might benefit too, because it's not going to be the deepest class. Um, but I love the size at 5'10, 220. Um, he just, but he, he's got that power, but he's got explosion too. So he's, to me, he seems like more, a more explosive, well rounded back where Carter isn't quite that. Uh, but they're both, I mean, just a lethal, lethal punch. And I think that's kind of affecting Sam Howell's numbers a little bit this year, too. The fact that, I mean, they're rushing for three, 400 yards a game. So, I mean, it's working. <laughs> so why mess with it? No, no, you're good. I said that's all that matters with the, with the rushing is the winning. Yeah, my internet sucks. I'm, I'm getting really <laughs> irritated. I might be on the house, on top of the house tomorrow hooking up a giant antenna. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, whatever works. With, with tin foil on it and shit. <laughs> All right. Uh, last game I wanted to highlight was Michigan, surprisingly beating Minnesota 49-24. And just the way they did it was, was very surprising. The offense looked much, much different than they've ever really looked, I thought. And the fact that Zach Charbonnet was hardly involved was also kind of odd. Um, he had a he had a one big run, I think. But then other than that, I think he only had like five carries. It was kind of strange. And Joe Milton looked good, made that offense look just different. And I was surprised at how flat-footed and just unprepared Minnesota looked. So what did you, what did you take away from that game? Do you think Michigan's legit this year? Or? Uh, I kind of do. And it's a little bit, as a, as a massive Buckeyes fan, you know, a lot of people talk about uh, in Buckeye Nation here that we do we want Michigan to be a good team because we do want it to be a rivalry. Um, and I do agree with that for the most part, but I still want them to win every year. And Joe Milton looked really good. Um Honestly, his arm talent is a little bit terrifying. I've, I've, I've mentioned many a times that I think what's held Michigan back the past couple years, or even almost the past eight, nine years, even back to the Urban Meyer era, was their lack of decent play at quarterback. And I think Milton is changing that. Uh, we saw deficiencies in the Buckeyes defense as well this week against a subpar, in my opinion, Nebraska team. So Milton and Michigan scare me a little bit. I do agree that Minnesota clearly came out flat-footed. Uh, they weren't even getting Bateman involved that much in the offense, which was confusing to me as well. Um, really bad game for Minnesota here, which sucks. I love P.J. Fleck. I was really hoping Minnesota would have a good year. Now this is a section I like to do uh, three players that we like to highlight. And um, 
Matt went all quarterbacks, so apparently he just wants to talk about quarterbacks this week. So, <laughs> Matt, who's the first? Who's the first guy you want to talk about, like more in depth with about? Uh, so for me, it was Graham Mertz. Um, you know, we we were not sure he was going to even start this year with uh, Jack Cohen. He was the the starter last year. I think most of us in the Debbie community wanted to see Mertz start last year, as you mentioned, the freshman uh, last year. Uh, but that didn't happen. Cohen got the start. Played okay for Wisconsin. I mean, they made it to the Big Ten championship game, obviously, but. He got hurt this offseason with the foot injury. Mertz came in, and obviously he looked fantastic. Now, I understand Illinois is not necessarily one of the better teams in the in the Big Ten, but to go 21-20, to 20, or I'm sorry, yeah, 20, 21 attempts, 20 completions for a 95.2 completion percentage, five touchdowns, 247 yards. He had an NFL rating of 155.3, a passing grade of 92.9. He just looked phenomenal out there. Uh, I love the way that he adds a little bit of a dynamic with his uh, arm, his arm, his legs as well. Uh, I loved how he got Jake Ferguson involved as well. He's a sleeper tight end for me in this class, but Mertz was uh, the most surprising to me. I expected him to be good, but I did not expect him to be that good. I would have put him up there as like right under Fields, actually, and above Milton as some of the best quarterbacks I watched this weekend play in the Big Ten. Right, right. He, he's like, I had him coming out last year, number two behind Spencer Radler. Like, okay. I, I loved him that much as a prospect. And just, it was good to see him finally hit the field and to do what we thought he could do. Because I think he did take quite a hit last year. I think everybody expects these guys to hit the ground running, you know, and to start right away, especially with guys like Jack Cohen in the way. And I was so irritated last year. And I, I thought his maturity, the way he handled it, you know, was like, I got to earn it. Yeah. You know, I got to earn my spot, which I thought was awesome. And I was just, imp- it just like you said, it was just Illinois, but the composure he had was just crazy. And I mean, he just made beautiful, beautiful throws, perfect touch. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I'm so excited to what he could possibly do in this offense. Now they just got to get him some good wide receivers because that's something that's not really been much of a, a strong suit of Wisconsin there to maybe see them get out of the Stone Ages a little bit. Their offense has always been really good running, but never really much for passing. So I like that you mentioned Jake Ferguson as well. He's a, a guy that could, you know, probably you know, late day two, early day three, but could be a really good tight end in the NFL as well. So I like it, man. I like it a lot. All right, my first guy that I wanted to talk about, I don't know if I've talked about him too much already, and I'm just going to keep beating him into the ground until <laughs> you guys just give up and just say, hey, all right, Dwight, we got you. Um, Javian Hawkins from Louisville just continues to impress just the living hell out of me, man. The, the big playability he has is just absolutely insane. He had 174 yards, three touchdowns, and only 16 carries this week. Um, you just every time he gets the ball, you just never know what he's going to do. I love his, um, just his, the way he reads the defenses and his shiftiness, his lateral ability, then that speed to just take off and run is just so, so much fun to watch. Um, I hope he can do something in the NFL level. I'm a little worried about, you know, the size isn't as much of an issue anymore as it used to be. But I want to see more of a pass catching role with him. I think he'd be incredibly dangerous as a pass catcher. But it's just something that Louisville does not really seem to feature in their offense. So I don't know if that's really something we can hold against him. Um, so I just, a guy that I'm, I, my, my stock has been... I'm sorry, just rising and rising on this kid. And I, I love Javion Hawkins, man. What do you, what do you think? You got anything on Javion? Uh, I like him a lot. Um, there's not a lot. There's not enough people talking about him. I, I agree with you. I guess my biggest fear for him is his size. Um, but if he 
you know, we've seen guys like, I don't know if Phillip Lindsay's smaller than him, but we've seen some of these smaller backs come into the NFL and still thrive. Hawkins looks like he's still got the, a good enough build for it. He doesn't necessarily take the big hits. He does a good job bouncing off certain hits. I love the speed. He's looked really good for Louisville, so I'm, I'm with you. He's a guy that I think is not getting enough talk about that's actually a really good running back, as, as in you mentioned earlier, to a, a very weak running back class. So he could really kind of jump up into that top tier behind uh, the top couple guys and, and possibly get high draft capital and end up having a pretty good role in the NFL. It is always a spot for a player with that explosion and that, you know, ability to break off these types of runs. So uh, we can skip your second player. Um, what's your third player? No, I'm just kidding. Well, you know what? Since, <laughs> since I'm going to mention him later, I'll, I'll, I'll change it up. No, more. no, I'll go no, somewhere else. no, no, no you, cool. you can, you can talk about Justin Fields. Go ahead. No, I'm going to go to I'll, sleep for a few minutes. I'll, I'll save it. I, there's, a, there's actually another player I thought about um, that I wouldn't mind talking no. about. He's a, he's a no, guy no, I'm we big can, on. No. no, talk about Fields, man. He looked amazing. So. Okay. Well, go ahead. I mean, Justin, he did. He looked amazing. I said, I, I don't mind saving him for the for the other segment because I feel like I'm going to repeat myself. So I, I, I'll just I'll talk about this guy. It's cool. Uh, Remon Davis. Uh, he's a he's a guy that I'm really been big on here. Uh, running back out of Temple, uh, sophomore year. Freshman year, had a really good year, just missed getting 1,000 yards, dealt with an ankle injury that kind of held him back, uh, in my opinion. So far this year, he's got 298 rushing yards uh, in just three games. Uh, he, he talked about, I've actually had a chance to speak with him a little bit, and he said he wanted to come into this year and work more on avoiding tackles. He kind of had a lot of shoestring tackles holding him back last year for some big gains. Already this year, 19 avoided tackles. Uh, he's got 17 explosive plays, which is anything over 10-plus uh, yards. Um, he's rocking a... 3.3 yards after contact. He's got 213 yards after contact so far this year. De dealing with just not a great Temple offensive line. He's getting hit in the backfield and still making big plays. Uh, Sarimon Davis uh, can't come out until the 2022 draft, uh, but he's a guy that I think is, is sneaky, really good NFL possible running back with his vision, contact balance. He can do a little bit of work in the receiving game as well. Uh, he's a guy that I think because he's at Temple is not getting a lot of talk, and I think should, and I think he's going to have a really good year this year, and people will start to recognize him. I, I like that. That's a little bit deeper. I love that because that's a guy who I have not had a lot of chance to watch a lot of, and I probably should put him on my list and make some cut-ups because I need to watch some more of him, and he's – yeah, getting some good buzz, uh, five, nine, five, nine, 10 or 10 pounds, good, good size, yeah. and, and good everything. So, yeah, good call, man, but way better than talking about an Ohio State player. <laughs> um, anyways, and then I talk about an Ohio yeah. State player. So, <laughs> Garrett Wilson, man, I, yeah, I can't, he's a guy that I have been just, you know, I, I do not like Ohio State, but I love, love Garrett Wilson, man. Just um, let me feel like I didn't put up my notes for him. Good Lord. What am I doing here, man? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I've been just in love with Will. I've been pumping him up for quite a while here. Let's see. Da -da 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 -da. Good radio. Good radio. Oh, shoot. Anyways, let's see. Anyways, I can't pull up my notes, but things I love about Garrett Wilson, just basically everything. Um, I love how he seems to create separation at all levels of the field. Um, his hands are just crazy, like that pass he had from Justin Fields that he like laid right in his hand right at the end zone. But yet he had to reach out there and grab it with his fingertips. You know, you see the stuff like that. You see the like the ability to be a dominant like X type of receiver, and it's something that I, I was hoping they would really push the ball to him more this year, just to really give him those stats. You know, that I think he's capable of. 
Um, I, I absolutely love Garrett Wilson. From somebody who watches him even closer, what what are things that you like about Mr. Wilson? Oh, I am right there with you. I think he is uh, – I like Chris Olave. Garrett Wilson is the best wide receiver on Ohio State right now. Um, I think the biggest issue for him getting the stats this year is he's transitioning into the slot role, which he has never played before. So it might take him some time to kind of get used to playing in that role. He played uh, in the X spot last year. So now he's moving into the slot role in this offense, which for those of you who don't watch a lot of Ohio State ball. The, the best way to put it is if you at all know what K.J. Hill did last year in this offense, that's the role that they're positioning Garrett Wilson in. Garrett Wilson's also much bigger and much faster than K.J. Hill, but I'm with you. His his ability to create separation, his contested catches, his hands are all elite. I mean, just go back to the, the catch he made on the sideline last year against Clemson in that playoff game. Just accentuates everything that is perfect about his game. Now, he's not going to beat you down the field with that home run speed, uh, but he does. He has just enough speed to beat players, uh, I, lo- I just I love everything about Garrett Wilson. He's he's my top wide receiver in that 2022 class, and I expect him to, as you mentioned, put up great numbers this year with uh, Justin Fields once they start really clicking on offense. All right, yep. Oh, he's my number one next year by like it's not even close, almost a tier, almost a tier by himself. So, all right, I'm curious to see what you say about your third guy here because. Yeah. Well, it's it's bad things. So that that's why I put them oh, on. Oh, okay, here. we're yeah. good. Yeah, it's bad things. So I will uh, I will admit um, I've I've been very high on Adrian Martinez uh, throughout the years. Obviously, the his freshman year he had a good year. He he single handedly almost beat the Buckeyes that freshman uh, his freshman season two years ago. Kind of hit a down downturn last year. Did not play well, and I was expecting him to kind of turn it around. And it doesn't look like that's going to happen. And it sucks because I think he's got all the tools to be a really good quarterback. He can throw on the run. He can make plays with his legs. I think he's got a really good arm. He has accuracy, but... He just has not been able to put it all together here at the NFL level. Uh, And we saw him kind of get switched in and out with McCaffrey uh, this past week against Ohio State. And I would not be surprised if that happens as a more permanent switch here sooner rather than later. So Adrian Martinez uh, was kind of my bad, bad performance of the week. He was a guy I was really hopeful for this year that I just don't think is, is going to produce what I thought he could. Right, right. I, I gave up hope last year. I was hopeful for him last year to, to put it all together. Like you said, the tools are there. Yeah. Like you see like uh, things that could be very enticing, you know, even if he was never really a starting quarterback, but you know, like a quarterback that can do as much as I can't stand Taysom Hill, but that, that type of role almost, you know, that where he could do things in the NFL. And he's just, it's been, it's rough to watch Nebraska. So all right, my last guy, um, kind of another cop-out one, but Chuba Hubbard, I was I was happy to see him finally look like what he had looked like last year. I thought the first couple of games he's looked slow, um, a little more indecisive than normal, and it was it was good to see him finally put it together last last week. I thought he had a couple amazing, amazing runs. Um, just, you know, I, I had even tinkered around. He had been my RB3 for so long in the 2021 class behind ETN and Najee that, that I had you know, had tinkered with him, dropping him to four and five, just because of what I'd seen the first couple games. So it was really good to see him, you know, in a game where they, you know, they really needed him to stand out where he looked a lot more decisive and you saw the the contact balance, the, he had one run where he like hit the line of scrimmage and like he hit the ground, almost hit the ground, but put his arm down. And then he, then he like bounced and took off for like a 30 yard touchdown. It was it was really, really fun to see him do those types of things because that's what he can do. That's what he brings to the the field, that elite acceleration when he gets out in the open like that. So I was really happy that he 
put it together and it felt like it was good to see you know the rb3 probably in this class so is that where you have Chubert or Chubert? Chubert. <laughs> Uh, he's a celebrity couple. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's where you have Chuba. Yes, sir. Yeah, I've got him right there at three as well, and I'm with you. It was great to see uh, almost a vintage Hubbard performance this week because I was right there with you, actually, in, in talking about and thinking about moving him down my ranks to possibly putting Hubbard, or not Hubbard, it is Hubbard we're talking about, uh, Brown or even Gainwell ahead of him because he just not look like the same guy. There was a lot of us talking about, you know, hey, did he actually hurt himself by going back this year with how bad he had looked but really had that vintage performance uh, this past week, and he's firmly sitting at that three spot for me in this class as well. All right, man, we're going to go through real quick the week nine games to watch, and then we got a special little Halloween fun game that I like to play every year. So, week nine games I want to watch. This one, the first one, I just want to highlight because it's just a fun game. Like, uh, this game always every year ends up being one of those games that goes, you know, 57, 55, you know, sometimes into overtime. But Memphis plays at number seven, Cincinnati. Cincinnati really has not been tested a whole lot, it seems like. SMU is supposed to have been a test last week, and Cincinnati just blew them out of the water. Not putting up crazy stats, but they're winning, you know, and they're winning big. So this is going to be a huge, huge test for them. I like Brady White. I like what Calvin Austin has done there as a in the replacement of DeMonte Coxie. And Cincinnati has just got yeah, – they're just fun to watch. So it's, it's a game that probably doesn't have a ton of Debbie prospects. You know, I mean, most of the good ones have opted out on Gainwell and Coxie. So I kind of had some hopes that Desmond Ritter would be good and – I, I thought Jerome Ford might actually do something there, and they've hardly used him at all. So I'm curious what you got on this game, if anything, or anybody you're – uh, I'm actually right there with you on Ritter. I've not heard a lot of people talk about him, so I'm I'm actually kind of happy that you did. I, I've been big on Ritter. I think he's kind of he can be a very interesting sleeper of this class, in my opinion. I, you know, he hasn't done it through the air as much this year, which is kind of what I wanted to see. He's had that inaccuracy uh, his past couple years in college, but he's dynamic when he uses his legs. If he can kind of put together the passing part of his game, you know, I think he's one of those guys that could really rise up that quarterback rank. Now I don't know if he gets into the class with Jones and Trask and Lanson and, and Wilson for me right now, but I think he could fall right underneath those guys. And, you know, he, he's very intriguing to me. Uh, Cincinnati's a team I've been watching closely this year. I, I thought that they'd easily be SMU, and I'm with you. This is a game that I will be paying very close attention to this weekend. Right, yeah, he's got intriguing size. He he may be one that, that um you know, may, may actually benefit from a, a, a change. You know, uh, we talk about it sometimes with guys like him, you know, the position changes and stuff. Because he, he is electric with the ball in his hands, and he, he may be a good, you know, a good receiver down the road somewhere, you know. So it might be a, a decent stash, stash really deep on your, your C2C teams type of thing. But I did expect him to be a, a hell of a great, a lot better passer this year. This one could have, this one has potential for upset all over it, I think. Texas travels to number six, Oklahoma State. Texas has nothing to lose at this point. <laughs> you know, they're three and two. The season's pretty much gone to heck for them, you know. So I think that makes them incredibly, incredibly dangerous. And Oklahoma State has not been in the driver's seat many times, or not in a while at least, not till probably the not since probably the Barry Sanders days. Um, <laughs> have they been like in the driver's seat of the Big 12? So. It'll be an interesting one. Texas, you know, has obviously got the you know, Sam Ellinger. The emergence of Joshua Moore is pretty cool. Um, I'd like to see their running backs do more. Oklahoma State's just gonna it's gonna be a fun one. That'll be another high scoring game. Uh, do you see Texas having any chance in this one, or is it? 
Um, you know, I feel like as much, so I, for people who don't know, I actually live in the Texas area. I'm from Ohio, but I currently live in Texas. And so I'm going to be honest, I hate all things Cowboys and hate all things UT because they never shut up about it down here. And neither one of those teams is technically good. That being said, I feel like this is the classic kind of, as you just mentioned, upset game here with Texas. They just seem to, they play down to their competition, but for whatever reason, when they're playing one of those top teams in the Big 12, they just seem to get that win. I hope they don't, because uh, I really like this Oklahoma State team, and I, I kind of picked them to win the Big 12 earlier this year, and I kind of hope that they go undefeated. Um, but I could honestly see them pulling off a pulling off a win here, because you know, Oklahoma State didn't look great against Iowa State last, as you mentioned, Saturday was a closer game than I think many of us expected, and I think Texas is a, is a step above Iowa State. Not much, but a step above them. It doesn't get any easier. Oklahoma State's got K-State next week, yeah. who's also ranked, you know, right around 20, and then they got Oklahoma the week after, and both of those are at away, too, so yeah. I mean, this is a, a crucial, crucial step. Ugh. Ugh. Crucial, crucial, crucial stretch for them. I don't know why the hell I can't say that. Um, crucial stretch for them, you know. And then also, all of a sudden, you know, then the Pac-12 is going to get back in the rankings and stuff. So I think it's critical for them to win these couple games, you know, and stake their claim as to possibly being, you know, a top four type team. So next game, Ohio State travels to at number or number three. Ohio State tra- travels to number eighteen, Penn State. This one kind of lost a little bit of its luster due to the uh, Penn State loss. Um, it was probably going to be a much much better game. As far as hype and everything, although I do think Ohio State is just on a different level than Penn State. I mean, Penn State doesn't have the playmakers, doesn't have the defense like they normally do. So it's, you know, it's on the list. It's a, it's a one of the bigger games, you know, of this early slate of Big, 12, Big Ten. But I think Ohio State's probably going to go there and handle them pretty easily. I know you'll probably easily agree with that as well, so. Yeah, I mean, I I don't want to say easily. I'm always nervous about these games. I will admit that, obviously, them not having fans in the stands is a big deal. Anybody who's watched, um, you know, as big of an Ohio State fan as I am, I can admit when things are pretty cool. And and Penn State's whiteout atmosphere at night is is one of the best-looking college experiences, um, in my opinion. Um, You know, I do think it hurts them when they had Micah Parsons opt out in the offseason. Obviously, he was, I think, probably the best linebacker in the Big Ten. Uh, So that is going to hurt them a little bit. And then the loss to... uh to Indiana there, obviously, is it, it does kind of knock off some of the luster of this matchup, but I just don't think you can you can rule Penn State out. Those two teams always play each other tough, even when Penn State necessarily hasn't been considered one of the best teams in the Big Ten. And you know, I remember years where Ohio State with JT Barrett, we coming off, I think it was the national championship year we got beat by Penn State. We we've had games where it looked like just like this year, this year where Penn State should roll Penn State or Ohio State should roll Penn State, and then they just don't do it, and that's what worries me. Again, weird off season with COVID and everything. Offense we talked about earlier, they didn't quite look that in sync earlier in the Nebraska game. Did definitely pick it up in the second half. But if Penn State's defense, which I still think is good, can keep it close like Nebraska's did even going into the second half, that could make things very interesting. Overall, I do think that the Buckeyes win it, but I'm not sure it's going to be a blowout. Yeah, missing Micah Parkins. Parsons is obviously a huge hit, but they have Brandon Smith coming up right behind him, who's just an amazing, amazing linebacker. So it'll be curious to see if they've got the guys on the outside that can keep up with the receivers and stuff like that. It's a huge test, obviously a litmus test for Penn State as well. So... Um, I put this game on here, Arkansas at Texas A&M, just as another game that could be a lot of fun to watch. Arkansas has been playing every team they've played. I mean, they got 
handled pretty good by Georgia at the first game of the year. But I mean, they, they took, they beat Mississippi state. They took Auburn to the wire. Honestly, I think they won um, <laughs> kind of, you know, they, uh, they beat Ole Miss last year or last week. They're playing some pretty good football and they have a potential um, just a team that's coming on the, it seems to be coming on the up and up in the SCC. So they could be a really tough game for Texas A&M. I don't like that number eight ranking for them. I think it's a little lofty. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I'll be watching Isaiah Spiller in this game. Hopefully at some point they play Demond Demas, so Stoops will shut up. But, uh, yeah, so there you go. That's um, that's what I got in that game. It should just be a fun game to watch. I hope it stays close and Arkansas gives them a run for it. So, yeah, anything on that one, Matt? No, I'm right there with you. Uh, I love Stoops. I've known him for a long time. I'm right there with you. I just want to see Demas <laughs> get on that field, um, not just for him, but I think all of us want to see that kid play, right? He's he's supposedly an ath- athletic freak, going to be a really good wide receiver, we think. In the college game, we'd love to see him get on the field, and I'm with you. Isaiah Spiller, he's right there toward the top of that 2022 class as well, so I'd love to see him get on the field. Or not get on the field, him, him continue to play. Continue to beast out, yeah. yeah. All righty. This is something I like to do every year for Halloween. Um, it's kind of a fun little game, and I'm, I'm glad you were willing to play it, Matt, because I, 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 as I said it to you, I'm like, oh, God, he's going to think see this and think I'm some sort of weird, psychotic person. But uh, um, for Halloween, I like to do, uh, which Debbie prospects do you liken to the following scary monsters? And first up, we'll do Frankenstein. Matt, who do you think reminds you most of Frankenstein? Well, I'm going to say first, I felt like you picked a better one. I didn't even think about putting him as Frankenstein, so I feel bad about that. But uh, I'm going to go uh, Seth Williams. Uh, he's a guy that was um, intriguing to me. I- I'm sure you probably know this is as connected as you are to the Debbie community. He seems to be like... You either like him or you hate him. There, there's nobody that just seems to think he's good. And, uh, I mean, this year he's really kind of blown me out of the water with the way he plays, uh, you know, 6'3", 211. I feel like he even plays above that sometimes. Contested catch. I love how he high points the ball. Uh, you know, he's he's been phenomenal so far this year. Had that, while I don't necessarily, I, I feel like they obviously got hosed. He pretty much had the walk-off touchdown last week for Auburn to kind of help them win that game. Uh, he's been putting up a lot of rack yards this year as well, 81 one in that last game there against Ole Miss. Uh, overall, I think Seth Williams is doing a lot to kind of build up his character. He's a physical freak, and, and he's he's building up his draft stock as well in this class. Now, he's one that I wish could have a, a real quarterback. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm with Because I don't know how many times I've watched where he's been wide open and Nick's has just totally missed him. Yeah. Like, and you're like, ugh. I think it's there to be there. And all right, my guy, I'm, yeah, this this seemed to fit Frankenstein perfectly. Kyle Pitts, because I feel like he's made up of all different types of player yeah. into a tight end. You know, he's got the the speed and athletics uh, athleticism of like a running back almost. You know, and then or a wide receiver. I think he's got more of the hands. You know, the the game, the route running. You know, the technicality of like a wide receiver. Yeah. You know, and he's he's kind of and here he is bundled into a tight end, but he can still hit and he still likes to mix it up physical at the line of scrimmage like a tight end. So I feel like they've taken pieces of like all these different types of player and molded into this this tight end who I think is just going to destroy the league. And I I still will maintain that I think he is going he has a very real potential being the first pass catcher drafted next year just because he is that much of a game changer. At tight end, you know, like you don't see that, you know, what he does at tight end is just amazing. So, yeah, above Jamar Chase. I know it's crazy. But uh, (laughs) anyways, (laughs) 
I, I don't know. That, that's my crazy take. I, I've, I've been wrong, right once out of every 15. Hey, so I like but it. We'll man. get one like eventually. <laughs> All right. The next movie monster, Dracula. Matt, who you got? All right. So this is where I'm going with uh, Justin Fields, as you mentioned earlier. I think, you know, he, he just fits Dracula perfectly, in my opinion. He's just, he's dominant. He can, he just, you know. He lures you in with his his playability. It's so easy to watch. You know, I can't remember what the what the wording is for Dracula, but when he kind of looks into your eyes and makes you fall in love with him, like just watching Justin Fields, you fall in love with his play. What he does on the run, how accurate he is. I think he's got a cannon that nobody talks about. He last year was his first year actually starting in the college football, and we saw what he did. We saw it in the second half this past weekend. One incompletion, and I understand. It was against Nebraska. Nebraska is not the best team in, in, you know, in college football. But again, it's you're still playing a college football team with really good defenders on it. And he had one incompletion. He's got it all. He's deceptively fast. He's just exactly what you want in a quarterback and what you want really in a person from everything I've read about him off the field as well. So he kind of fits for me that Dracula narrative of like that that perfect kind of human being. Interesting. I like it. Um, my, I was going a little bit different direction with Trevor Lawrence. I guess I see what you mean there. Like, what I was thinking was a, a guy that sucks the blood of the opponent. You know, like there's okay. been. I got you. There, there's been some games where you know I think the like even this weekend against Syracuse, you know they they think they've got him in hand and then he like hits the switch and just buries his you know just buries the opponent <laughs> like yeah. he just knocks it into a second gear and I just I love everything about this kid he's just going to be so so special at the next level I don't think any any amount of this hype that we have done is going to justify what I think he's going to do so I yeah I just I, I see him as Dracula it sucks the living will out of his opponents so <laughs> I, hey, Justin just I Justin feels as does that until he gets to the playoffs so anyway, anyway. Hey, hey, hey come on now come on now. well i was gonna say i uh, I, I experienced firsthand what you're talking about with trevor lawrence because him and clemson did that to me last year they sucked the living life out of me for about half a year so <laughs> i couldn't resist man all right uh, let's see all right, next up, we have the werewolf. What do you got for a werewolf? I like this one, man. This is who I was going to go with. Yeah, I mean, for me, it just fit perfectly. It's Tank Bigsby from Auburn, man. This kid has just been phenomenal. He plays, you know, uh, he's so big and physical on the field. He plays, I feel always feel bad saying this, but I, I just think it's true. He plays like a dog when he's out there. Like, he just doesn't take anything from anybody. He wants to run you over, but he can run around you as well. He's very elusive. He's just out there on the field. He's a dominant force that will not be stopped. He's been the quickest riser for me, I think, out of everybody I've watched so far this year, and he's moved himself into a spot in my Debbie rankings that I never thought uh, he would move into before the beginning of this season. Oh, I absolutely agree. I don't, he was, I was just listening to Travis May's podcast and I think the guys at Rotoviz had him like at 20 wow. as a Debbie prospect already, you know, that that's how much he's gone up, you know, like I think, cause I think I had him in the 40, 50 range mm-hmm. and I think 2025 is probably pretty, like you said, he's just exerted himself so quickly yeah. and he already looks like when he's on the field, he is the best player on the field. Yeah. And, and that's really impressive to see from a freshman, his, like you said, he'll just straight run you over or he'll make you miss. And his vision and lateral ability is good enough to make people miss. And then if they don't hit him head on, he'll just run your happy ass over. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so my guy, um, I, I think Tank's got the speed. So 
I like him a little bit more, but Najee Harris could also fit it too. Cause I mean, Najee Harris has got that dog in him. Like you said as well, you know, he's, you just, it's hard not to be impressed with him when you watch him play. And I understand why some people have him as the number one over ETN. Um, I like ETN's playmaking speed, you know, the elite acceleration, the elite speed better as I think he can be something special. Whereas Najee is just, just really damn good. I think he's kind of gone. Um, you almost underappreciate him because he feels like he's been doing it forever too, Yeah. you know, but he, he will just run you over and he's got, he's got pretty good speed. You know, he's got that, uh, he definitely runs a lot like Derrick Henry where he'll catch you off guard with your, with his speed, but then he'll also run your ass over. So he, I think he's a good second for werewolf, but I really like the tank one better. So <laughs> I'm going to piggyback on you. <laughs> All right. And the last one, uh, the zombie. So I'm curious, what, curious who you got here and what direction you were thinking on this one. So, uh, so I, I went a little bit probably of a different direction than than you might think. But the reason I went the zombie here is Trey Lance is because I feel like he's going to be that guy who's almost left for dead. Uh, by the end of this year because we're not going to see him play. We're, we're going to get, uh, obviously, everybody else is coming back. You got Big Ten started this week, Pac-12 coming back in a week and a half, and the MAC is coming back as well. Where Trey Lance, we got one game out of him, and I think if we're all being honest, he didn't necessarily look that great in most of that game either. So I kind of feel like once we start moving throughout the rest of the year and we get start moving toward the draft process, a lot of people are going to kind of forget about him. He's going to be, I don't want to say dead, but kind of, Almost forgotten about. Some of us will keep the Devi players in us, right? We'll keep talking about Trey Lance because we've seen him. We know what he is. But those draft guys who are just kind of coming on the scene, they may not be, oh, well, Mac Jones has been so good and Kyle Trask did this and Zach Wilson's doing this right now. And all these guys are going to be talking about that. But then once the combine comes and he shows out what he can do there, I believe he's supposed to be, no, I don't think he's going, he can't go to the senior bowl. Once he does what he does at the combine and he slowly starts to rise that stock back up, it'll be like him kind of the reanimation of the court. Right, he'll he'll come back to life a little bit, and Trey Lance will kind of boost that stock back up once we're able to see him kind of do this workout stuff combine, and he'll move himself back up into at least the discussion to be the third quarterback taken off the board in the draft this May. Very good, I like it. That's, yeah, that makes sense. Now, uh, I was kind of curious, so yeah, <laughs> I, I actually really really love that because I think he will have a, a very unique buy low window because, yep. as you say, everybody's talking about all these other quarterbacks. And gosh, I don't remember who it was. Uh, Andre Ware actually had him at like quarterback five, which I thought was hilarious. Wow. Um, yeah. I mean, Andre Ware, you know, he was such a good quarterback. So he, he's yeah. a good quarterback <laughs> evaluator. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> he's a better quarterback than me, so I should probably shut up. Um, but anyways, because um, the only reason, only thing I was thinking, I, I was kind of lost on this one too. And Zamir White stood out for some reason, just because I feel like he's been dead several times with the with the yeah. poor multiple ACL tears. Although he hasn't looked as amazing as I hoped he would this year, you definitely see that angriness in his running style, though. And uh, you know, but I, I just wonder if it has overall affected his game. And I hoped he would rise from the dead this year. I hoped he would take over, but they seem to be just doing like a running back by committee. And Kendall Milton's looked a lot better, I think. Oh, so. yeah. Zamir White's one I was hoping would rise from the dead. Maybe he still will. Maybe he will still be that zombie. But that's the only one I could think of for some reason. I, I was drawn a blank on my own question. So, <laughs> yeah. Good job, host. All right. That's what we'll call it a week for this week. Um, I normally go over like a rookie report or anything, but it, it's all right. We'll get Matt out of here. I drug him through the night, have, I made him wait 45 minutes for my daughter to go to sleep and all that. <laughs> so 
Matt, can you tell everybody um, what you're working on, what you're what you're up to, man, where they can find you on Twitter and all that? Yeah, absolutely. So as you mentioned earlier, which uh, which I appreciate, I do host the uh, Fantasy Football Roundtable podcast. Uh, I write for DynastyNerds.com. I am actually the uh, Devi team lead over there, so you can find all of my work there, and you can find me at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter as well. Uh, you know, come come on, talk any. Kind of Debbie, NFL, anything you want with me, I have a lot of fun doing it, um, and I really do appreciate you having me on. It's been it's been a lot of fun. I don't get to talk a lot of college football on my podcast throughout the year because we focus on NFL, so I, I relish any chance I get to talk college football and Debbie when I can. Excellent. Yeah, me too, man. This is like my, you know, I, I don't have anybody around me that talks about the stuff that I do, so yeah. I, I, I can talk about it with my wife and make her fall asleep at night, but that's about <laughs> it. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Um, I love the work you guys do at the Nerds. It's one of the the few sites that I, I really look up to. Um, I do work for DLF, which you know whatever. But yeah. uh, you guys do great stuff, man. So like, I, I, your Devi team is is amazing. So you can find my work at like I said at DLF. Do a Devi roundup each week and have this podcast. And I also have a YouTube channel where I do Devi cut or I do prospect cut ups that you know I, I love doing. That's a good way for me to catch up on scouting and kind of take a deeper look at the guys and. So I, I love doing that. So, And you can find me on Twitter at FF People's Champ. Find this podcast at Debbie Manual on Twitter. And we will talk to you guys next week. Everybody have a safe Halloween and have fun. Take care, guys. <laughs>